Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. And we're in for extra time. Kia ora and welcome to Extra Time. I'm Stephen Hewson. Well, there's been plenty of trash talking in the lead-up, but it's finally decision time. No, we're not talking about the election, but Joseph Parker's WBO heavyweight title defence against England's Huey Fury in Manchester on Sunday morning. It wouldn't be a title fight without things descending into farce at some stage, and that certainly happened earlier this week when Parker's manager David Higgins was ejected from a media conference. But attention's about to finally switch to the ring. The fight between Joseph Parker and Huey Fury has been mired in controversy from the outset. It was initially due to be fought in Auckland in May, but Fury was reluctant to fight there and withdrew at the last minute, citing a back injury. After plenty of wrangling, the fight was rescheduled for Manchester. But then the British Boxing Board of Control appointed Englishman Terry O'Connor as the referee, despite Parker's promoter David Higgins being assured a neutral ref would be in charge. That proved to be the tipping point for Higgins when he erupted at a media conference earlier this week. Take a line. You shook my hand. Who gives a about you? Or your bodyguard. Not from the street. The outburst seemed to have some effect, with O'Connor, who has controlled Fury's past two fights, removed from the ring and made a judge. But he's been replaced by another English referee, meaning Higgins still hasn't got the neutral appointment that he demanded. Boxing Board of Control has offered that compromise, which we'll accept. And I think regardless, the officials are going to be under a lot of scrutiny anyway because of all the fuss. Joseph Barker says the ranting and raving about the appointment of the referee hasn't distracted him at all. Oh, it's very easy. And the reason I say that is because I have a great team behind me who deals with all the noise. I'm mentally and physically in great shape, so there's, there's no excuses. And Parker's trainer, Kevin Barry, says his charge is in the best shape of his career. I don't believe in the last two fights that we've seen Joe at his best. We haven't had good training camps. This time we've had an excellent training camp. I think that Joe's energy levels, his speed, his stamina, his mental attitude, everything is on point for this fight. And I know we're going to see the very best of Joseph Parker. Apart from an exhibition fight in July, Huey Fury hasn't had a professional bout since April last year. But he's dismissing any concerns over ring rust. I don't believe in the ring rust, to be honest with you. I believe I'm going to be 100% in that. I just can't wait. Being election time, we thought we'd get some political input on the bout. Although National Party leader Bill English, who fought in the 2002 Fight for Life fundraiser, was loath to offer too much advice. He wouldn't be very smart if he took my advice. He's a much better fighter than that. The Labour leader Jacinda Ardern had sympathy for Parker and the refereeing debacle. I've only ever operated with four million refs at a time. Um, and, uh, you know, I imagine that he wouldn't want to blame the outcome um, either way on, on refing. Of course, it always comes down to um, your preparation and your, and your match on the day. When all lose, Joseph Park has indicated he sees his fighting future in Britain. If he does retain his WBO title, a unification bout with Anthony Joshua, who holds the WBA and IBF world titles, could be on the cards for next year.
The BBC's boxing correspondent is Mike Costello. He's covering the fight in Manchester. And he told Barry Guy the fight's made little impression in Britain. Well, this has been a, a slow burner. I have to say there was more interest in the contest when it was scheduled to take place in May of this year. There's been a lot of speculation as to how many or, more to the point, how few tickets have been sold for this. This is an arena in which many of the great names of British boxing down the years have featured, the likes of Chris Eubank and Nigel Benn and Anthony Joshua, the holds one of the other versions of the world heavyweight title, made most famous by a great Manchester favourite called Ricky Hatton. All of those fought in front of a full house of 20,000. It's been full many times down the years, but there's talk this weekend of there being maybe fewer than 5,000 people in the arena and maybe not even that many. So it's been a, a very slow burner. And there are a number of reasons for that. Um, there's not much known over here about either of the two fighters, but also we're in a boxing boom in this country and the boxing fans and, and general sports fans have an awful lot to choose from at the moment and from now right the way through to the end of the year. So it clearly seems they're being selective about what they choose to watch. Yeah, and the WBO belt as well, does that, does that play a part in it or is it just because you know, uh, someone like uh, Joseph Parker's from the side of the world? No, not necessarily. I mean, there is interest in the WBO belt being on the line, but mainly because they think in the end the winner of this contest will move towards a showdown against Anthony Joshua for at least three of the belts. And there's also the American Deontay Wilder, who holds the fourth of the world championship belts. That's the mess that boxing has been in for 30 years now with four different versions of the world title in every single weight division and those four versions in the heavyweight division are spread across three different holders and so there could be any mix of very lucrative matches out there for the winner on Saturday night and that's the real interest in this fight it's not so much about Joseph Parker against Huey Fury it's about the winner going on to face in the main Anthony Joshua at some stage next year or at some stage in the next a couple of years because Parker at 25 and Huey Fury at 23 they've, they're relatively young to be at this place in the heavyweight division So the UK might not know much about Parker but do you know enough to rate him and his chances? Yes, I was asked that today by somebody at the press conference, the final press conference, which was held at Manchester United's football ground. And I said that I would rank him in the top five heavyweights in the world right now. Anthony Joshua, for me, would be number one. The American I mentioned who holds the WBC version of the title, Deontay Wilder, would be number two. And then there's a scramble of half a dozen or so names behind who would then be ranked three, four and five. But Joseph Parker would certainly be in the top five in the world. He doesn't have the kind of amateur pedigree of a Huey Fury who was world youth champion or an Anthony Joshua who was the Olympic champion in London here in the UK in 2012 but he has progressed very impressively as a professional and it seems clear that of those three names Joseph Parker might be more suited to the professional ranks but what's fascinating about it is they're all so young and they are all clearly improving and so it's hard to guess the rate at which they're improving but this is going to be a very very close contest on Saturday evening in my view Joseph Parker has the edge mainly because Huey Fury hasn't fought competitively for 17 months but it, it has the makings of a very competitive a very close and scrappy contest but in my view Parker has enough to get the edge and, and to get the victory. Uh, yes, he, he's been known as perhaps not having the killer blow, though, uh, Joseph Parker. Do you see that as being an issue? 
Not necessarily in this particular case. I think the key factor in this fight on Saturday evening will be his ability to close down the ring space. This has the makings of being very similar to a fight between Huey Fury's cousin Tyson Fury, who was the former holder of the belt that they're fighting for on Saturday evening, and Vladimir Klitschko. And Fury, almost two years ago now, pulled off one of the greatest shocks in the history of the heavyweight division by going to Klitschko's adopted homeland in Germany and winning on points and winning emphatically on points. And he did that by standing off, by boxing as a counterpuncher, by spending a lot of his time on the back foot and almost inviting Klitschko forward. And then when Klitschko did take up the invitation to move forward, he made him miss and then made him pay for those misses and I expect this fight to be a very similar version of that. Huey Fury is not as good as his cousin Tyson Fury but at this stage of his career Joseph Parker isn't as good as Vladimir Klitschko was at that stage of his career so it is it's fascinating two very different styles two men who are clearly improving and two men who I think will be better eventually than we'll see on Saturday night. Uh, Huey Fury is described as being an awkward fighter can you describe what that is and how difficult that can be? Yes, he will. He'll spend much of the time on the back foot. He'll wait for Joseph Parker in the main to throw his punches first. He'll try to keep the fight at long distance. He won't want to get involved in close quarter exchanges, which would suit, according to his style, Joseph Parker. Parker will try to be the busier of the two. Fury will try to make his counter punches pay. And he will try, as his cousin Tyson Fury did against Vladimir Klitschko, to frustrate Parker, to get Parker to the stage where Parker is apprehensive about letting his punches go because he's fearful not only that he might miss but that he'll get paid for missing with a counter punch from Huey Fury. He can be awkward. This could be a very scrappy, messy fight. It could be difficult for the judges to score this one. I wouldn't be at all surprised if at the end of 12 rounds there's controversy about the nature of the scoring here. It always seems to be in boxing, isn't there? We've had that in the last week or so. You did talk about Anthony Joshua Uh, perhaps the winner going on to there. But do you expect after this fight for the public to stand up at all? Or as you mentioned, do you think, you know, these two boxers are still a little way off their best and, you know, fighting against the best may be a couple of years away? Yeah, my view is that whatever we see from each man on Saturday evening... Parker is 25, Fury is 23, and Fury, incidentally, would become one of the youngest holders in history of a version of the World Heavyweight Championship. So that puts his challenge into context and and what he's facing here. But I think whatever we see on Saturday night, we will see better from each of them, the winner and the loser, in the future. I think these are two men who are improving. They're not at their best. We will see what they've got as their best on Saturday evening. But I think in five and maybe ten years' time, we'll look back on their career and we will see this for each man as very much a stepping stone even though yes it's a world title fight I'm convinced that each of these men will go on to be better than they are at the moment and just overall is the heavyweight division in good stocks or you know are we a bit thin still no it's it's really growing and and the interest now is developing on on the other side of the Atlantic from us as well in the United States after Anthony Joshua won against Vladimir Klitschko at Wembley Stadium here in the UK in April. Mike Tyson, one of the great former champions, said that Anthony Joshua was now the most important figure in the world of boxing. And George Foreman, another great former 
uh, heavyweight champion who boxed Muhammad Ali in the Rumble in the Jungle, one of the great heavyweight showdowns of all time, he has said that a showdown between Anthony Joshua and the American Deontay Wilder would be one of the biggest fights, not just of the current era, but of any time in boxing history. So with those two at the top of the tree, if you like, there's a, a resurgence in the heavyweight division for the the first time probably in 20 years since the likes of Britain's Lennox Lewis and the Americans Evander Holyfield and Riddick Bowe were at the top of the heavyweight division. And I think that's one of the reasons this fight at the weekend is so important for Joseph Parker and for, Fu for Huey Fury. And that's the interest and the importance that fans are placing on it as well. It's not so much the fight itself, it's what the fight leads to. And for the loser on Saturday night, the issue is that they are then shunted back down the queue when it comes to taking on either a Joshua or a Deontay. Dante Wilder in those huge, massive money fights. I mean, money that you probably couldn't count the zeros on the end of the figures. It, it would be so huge. There's the BBC's Mike Costello talking to Barry Guy. New Zealand rugby has become the first sport in the country to be awarded the Rainbow Tick. Rainbow Ticks are awarded to organisations that complete a workplace process involving sexual and gender diversity. The organisation's spokesperson, Michael Stevens, says it's significant for them that New Zealand Rugby's adopted the programme. Rainbow Tick's a um, workplace diversity and inclusion programme. So we come into workplaces, we assess them, we help them see what areas um, need work on around being inclusive and safe for people coming from LGBT, etc. backgrounds. And then we help them get to a, a minimum standard and then we try and help them get better year by year. New Zealand Rugby is the first sporting organisation that you've started working with? Yeah, New Zealand Rugby is the first sporting code, the first sporting organisation in New Zealand to start this work and to get to the Rainbow Tick certification level. How important is that? It's deeply important um, because rugby is so culturally important in New Zealand. So to hear the message that Rugby House, Rugby Headquarters takes this work seriously and believes in being inclusive to people from LGBT um, backgrounds, that, that's deeply um, important across the country. There'll be young kids out there who love their rugby, but who are scared about telling people, you know, I'm gay, and for them to now hear that they're welcome, that will be a really powerful and positive message for them to pick up. So you say, you know, there, there are obviously a lot of players that, you know, um, could would have played at quite a high level but they found you know the any sport I suppose they found that difficult yeah there's often an attitude in sports that says you're going to be a real tough man um, to compete and take part and um, it is often very hostile towards people who are known to be gay or bisexual or, or transgender or lesbian so they don't feel like they can be themselves in those sports so they they pull themselves back and they stop participating and that's a very common pattern, and we can see that supported by data on a global level. That people, you know, they love the sport, but they're not feeling so they can comfortably take part as themselves, so they stop playing. You're obviously dealing with the, you know, New Zealand rugby, the headquarters, mm -hmm. but I mean, obviously you want it to drift down through to the grassroots, really, don't you? We would love to see um, clubs and unions take this up. Um, we can't make them. Um, but we really hope that seeing New Zealand rugby itself, seeing headquarters here do this, inspires them to start considering and thinking about ways that they can make sure they're safe and inclusive um, places for people coming from our communities. And I suppose with rugby now, you want to go to, on to other sports? We would love to see other codes um, pick up the Rainbow Tick. 
Um, that certainly happened overseas, um, and we'd love to help them do that here in New Zealand. That's Michael Stevens talking to Barry Guy. From Hamilton to Lahore, it's a trek in store for cricket coach Mark Coles. Coles, who's been coaching minor association side Hamilton, has been appointed coach of the Pakistan women's side and will leave to take up a short-term contract in Lahore next week. Ironically, the assignment will be to guide Pakistan against the White Ferns in both the UAE and in New Zealand. Coles told Joe Porter he became interested in the role through Pakistan men's coach Mickey Arthur. I worked a little bit with Mickey Arthur in, in Western Australia and um, we, we kept in touch uh, right throughout, I guess, when he went coached Australia and, and an opportunity came up and um, I, I decided that I was pretty interested in it. It's obviously just for the New Zealand series, uh, which is late October to mid-November, so I think it's an opportunity for me. Um, and uh, and it's exciting, and I'm looking forward to it. And do you have to travel to Pakistan? Do you spend much time there? And are you at all concerned, I guess, about you know the the current safety situation? Obviously, things are on the improve, and it looks like international cricket, hopefully, will return uh, within the next six months to a year. Yeah, uh, we we go into camp. I leave next Saturday, and we go into camp uh, in Lahore um, for fifteen to sixteen days. So. Um, It'll be, uh, I've been assured that there's going to be security, I'll have security detail around me and it's, uh, it's pretty safe, so I'll have the same security um, as Mickey will have uh, and others that are, that are touring there. Um, look, you know, we live, we, we live in a life where anything could happen, I suppose, we don't like it to happen, but it's a concern, it's a concern for, for the family that I've got, um, but... Uh, it's exciting too, and I think um, they've reassured me, and that's all that's all they can do. Um, and I'm just going to go in there positively and um, see if I can make a difference to to a cricket team and bring some smiles to some faces that they probably haven't seen from the women's side for a while. That's Mark Cole speaking to Joe Porter. And that brings us to the end of Extra Time for another week. Remember, you can contact us by emailing us at sport at radionz.co.nz. And you can keep up with all the latest sports news on the RNZ website. On behalf of the Extra Time team, I'm Stephen Hewson. Bye for now. Tired of ads barging into your favourite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.